This is Big Dreams, Bold Moves, the podcast inspiring families like yours to discover endless possibilities for living abroad, because life is too short to settle. I'm Malia, and I will be your host as we travel around the world speaking with experienced expats and experts. We're going to learn how to get visas, make money, and find jobs abroad. We'll get a behind-the-scenes look at what everyday life with kids is really like in different countries and get you the answers you need to go from daydreaming to international move-making. Now, let's get on our way. Hello. Yes, you read that title right. I am doing another episode on Australia. You know I love it and I just can't help myself. Plus, I put the call out there that if anyone knew of a family that had migrated to Australia, um, to put them in touch with me because I'd love to interview them. And I was so lucky that I found today's guest. Today's guest is Nikki Ricks. She is a consultant for creative women entrepreneurs. She is going to share with us her family's experience of boldly moving from Chicago to the land down under. But before we get started, I just want to quickly apologize that uh, we didn't have the best connection and some of the interview is a little fuzzy and we even lost a few parts, but it's definitely worth a listen and she has a lot of great insights and details about um, how they made their move happen and uh, what it's what life is like for them there. So if Australia is on your family's places to live list, you're definitely going to want to listen. I would also like to feature a podcast that I have been loving called Migrant Mama Australia. In today's interview, I talk a bit about that podcast. And if you want to check that out, I have a link for it in the show notes. And if you would like me to feature your work or share your message, click on the link in the show notes to my Patreon account and learn how you can very affordably sponsor your own episode. Okay, without any further ado, please meet Nikki Ricks. Welcome, Nikki, to Big Dreams, Bold Moves. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And where exactly in Australia are you? I'm in, um, <laughs> I always feel insecure about how I say it when I'm talking to Americans, because I, when I say it here, I say Melbourne, yep. but then when I'm talking to Americans, I'm like Melbourne. You know, like the R Melbourne. So uh, Melbourne, Melbourne. Okay. And how long have you been in Melbourne? I have been here. It'll be like, uh, we kind of traveled around, but we finally like settled um, July 2018. So just officially over a year. Well done. Yeah, yeah. So my listeners <laughs> will know that I um am obsessed with Australia and would love to live there. So I'm jealous and proud of you for doing that. <laughs> you should. You should move here. Yeah. Well, I want to know how you did it. So first of all, where did you come from? My partner and I moved um from Chicago. We had been we met there got married there, had children there, um, for 10 years. Um, so yeah, short answer to that Chicago. Okay. And before you decided to go to Australia, what was your life like? Hmm. Uh, life in Chicago. Let's see. Okay. So we just had our second child. Um, 
and uh, my partner works at, he's in advertising. I was really loving my work um, there and building a great community there. And yeah, Chicago is an incredible city. It's insanely affordable to live there um, compared to like New York, LA, San Francisco, Seattle, Denver, you know, like it's just a really, really cool city, but the winters are um, soul sucking. So yeah, we, we, uh, that was, that was a driver to fix that. And how did the decision come about to go from Chicago to Australia? Yeah, so we've always wanted an international experience as a family. And my daughter, my oldest daughter um, was four at the time. And it was just kind of feeling like time was picking. And, you know, I'm, I'm not really a believer in people saying like, well, I'm not really a believer in people saying you can't do this or you can't do that in general. Um, but I do kind of think that like when your kids get older, like, yeah, maybe they like start getting attached and remembering stuff. And so, <laughs> um, just logistically, maybe it's easier to do it when they were younger. Um, and so, yeah, we were just kind of feeling itchy and just decided to take the leap. And what was it about Australia? Australia just felt like uh, really far because it, it really is <laughs> so far from everything. And it just felt like an adventure. And just what we had researched online about culturally what Australia was like, it just felt like it fit in with um, some of our values. So, yeah. Cool. And did you, when you... Decided to go. How did visas play into this? Because um, I just did an episode all about getting visas in Australia. What kind of visa did you initially go on? So we came here January of 2018. And the visa that we came on was just like a visitor holiday visa type of thing. It wasn't like a working holiday. We just came as visitors. And I believe how that um, visa worked, at least how I understood at the time, was that you could visit for a year, but you had to leave the country every three months. And then after a year, um, I, I don't know how, I don't know how it works after a year, but we didn't, it didn't last that long for us. So uh, then my partner um, interviewed at a couple of places when we were here at, in the first four months and he um, got offered a position and then he, um, his, his work sponsored our, our family. It's like a 487 or 482. Well, this is a bold move. So you just decided yeah. to go. Yeah. What did you do with your stuff yeah. in the U.S. then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we literally, I like, I went and saw a therapist before I, I left for not this move, but just my dad had passed away to really lay it all out there. And um, I was telling my therapist how we were just kind of like moving on a whim. And she was like, concerned. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, very like worried for me. 
And, you know, like, I don't know if you've gone to therapy, but I've gone to and seen enough therapists where I'm just like, you know, one in a dozen are probably good. Like, it's so hard to find a good therapist. But anyway, she was fine. But um, so, yeah, we just so we sold we we owned a condo and we sold it and we sold our car. We sold all of our furniture. I got rid of all of my, I'm not like a huge clothes person anyway, but you know, I'm just over the years you accumulate and I got rid of all of my clothes except for one suitcase of clothes. And, um, and yeah, so all of our like heirlooms, like scrapbooks and, you know, jump drives of, you know, pictures and all of that stuff. We, um, took to my sisters and um yeah and then went to Australia with literally like five suitcases and stupid car seats and strollers and a pack and play and so what was the plan then did you have flights into Melbourne I'm imagining a one-way yeah we got one-way flights and it was actually um my partner's brother had moved to Australia just a year beforehand. And they were in this area called the Gold Coast. And it, we didn't realize, but in January, Australians are crazy about holiday. And they take it very, very seriously. And so during the holiday break, everything is exorbitantly expensive like what like a dump for you know like one bedroom shack for a week is three thousand dollars you know it's just dumb and so we were looking at places in melbourne in january like what the heck like this is insane and um so they were like why don't you come stay with us so when we first came to australia we went to the gold coast which is like really what americans think that Australia is beautiful beaches surfing cool um you know rainforesty you know type of koalas and kangaroos and all that sort of stuff um and so yeah that was our first uh experience in Australia which was a lot of fun cool I'm sure fun for the kids yeah and yeah, then they had a blast with cousins. And then where was it? Where did you go from the Gold Coast? Did you go traveling or did you go straight down to Melbourne after that? Yeah, then we went to um, Melbourne for a month and then we went to Sydney and then, or oh, how long were we in Melbourne? Six weeks? I can't remember. And then we were in Sydney for a couple of weeks and then we hit like our three months. You got to get out of here. And so then we went to New Zealand for, or no, we went to Tasmania. Sorry, we went from Melbourne to Tasmania and then to Sydney. Tasmania is like uh, Australia's best kept secret. Like my partner, this is really embarrassing, but my partner thought that Tasmania was a country. He didn't know that it was like a state within Australia. Like we're so ignorant, you know, and 
also like when I would tell my friends back at home, like, oh my gosh, we just went to Tasmania. It was amazing. They're like, oh, so how was Tanzania? So they were confused. Tasmania was Tanzania. Um, And so, yeah, Tasmania was incredible. And so then we went to Sydney and then that like hit our three month clock and we went to New Zealand and um, road tripped for two weeks up, you know, the South Island, North Island, which is just dreamy and Lord of the Rings scenes everywhere. And um, then went back to Melbourne for a couple of months. And then I had some work um, back in the States. And so we all went back there and then finally came back to Melbourne and got settled um, in July. So while you were traveling, were you able to use the income from the condo that you sold or were you also working and making money? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, finances, let's talk about it. Um, so before we left, we had saved up money and we gave ourselves what was our budget we gave ourselves like $30,000 for a year and we told ourselves that like because we didn't know if he would you know get a position here if I would or you know what our money you just don't know how it's going to shake out when you kind of like go into the dark that way yeah and so we had 30,000 that we just set aside and we didn't, we had that before we sold our condo. We weren't sure if we were actually going to be able to sell our condo or not. So um, we had had that money kind of tucked away and we sold our condo like the last minute before we left, like literally five days before we left, we like signed the papers, which was really incredible. Um. So that money, we've just been investing and tucking away until we buy our next place. Um, So we told ourselves, you know, $30,000 one year. And if we hit $20,000, if we've gone through $20,000, then we would take the rest of that money and just like go to Bali and or like, Vietnam or some, you know, cheap East Asian country wouldn't cost a lot um, to live and just try to ride it out and then go back to the States and figure out the, or whatever we were going to be doing. So you were pretty open to possibilities. 30000 could sound like a lot of money in Bali, but Australia my experience in Australia is that you just walk down the street and throw fifties in the air. It feels like sometimes, did you feel like once you got there, it was more expensive for you guys or how were you able to stay under 30,000 or how did the, how did the money go for yeah. you once you got there? So I was working as well on the go. I wasn't making as much money as I thought that I would. Um, so even though that helped supplement income, the time difference just like killed me. It was so difficult to find time that evened up to, you know, take clients and 
Um, so that was really hard. And also the line of work that I was in then is just very much referral based and people like to meet face to face and didn't like as much the, the video, um, conferencing. So, um, yeah, that was kind of a, um, I mean, we were fine. We we got by and we're fine now. Um, but yeah, that was something that like I was really kind of um, taking a risk on that didn't, that didn't pan out. But it, yeah, so it, we ate into more of our savings than what I wanted to. Um, but, you know, it's fine. Um, and to answer your question more directly about how expensive Australia is, yes, Australia is really expensive. But at that time, the conversion rate was really good. And so honestly, like it wasn't it with that conversion rate, it wasn't more expensive than Chicago. Okay. Um, so when you know, it's interesting when people say like, oh, Australia is so expensive. I'm like, where do you live? Like, where, where are you coming from? You know, are you coming from New York? Or are you coming from like, the suburbs of you know Houston or something yeah. you know because <laughs> those are two different you know ideas of what expensive is I, that's a really good point and I think the Australian dollar is still pretty low right now conversion wise when we lived there we lived there we went from the U.S. in 2011 and the Australian dollar was really at an all-time high for the two years wow. we were there and so oh. it was really expensive. We got our reload money in U.S. dollars and went to some place where it was really expensive. And then um, when we moved from back to the U.S. in 2013, it was just as it dove down. And so all of our money was saved in Aussie dollars that we lost a ton. Oh, uh, not, uh, not a ton, but like for us, we yeah, don't save a lot of money when we actually did save money and we were like, okay, we are pregnant. We're going to buy a house. This is our money. Yeah. And we just yeah. watched it like just drop every day. Get and it down. took, it took a while to get it transferred over and we kept thinking it was going to go back and then it hasn't gone back. And that's been a while now. So anyway, that's so a very good point. You? Where were you in Australia? Sydney. Oh, Sydney. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So on, and when it comes to, team Melbourne or team Sydney? I'm on team Sydney. So how did you decide to be on team Melbourne? What was it about Fair. Melbourne for you? I totally respect your decision and I don't rival you. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I am team Melbourne. I obviously have a bias, but um, yeah. So we kind of, when we researched the two cities before we left, we were leaning towards Melbourne because of what we understood about the um, like the creative culture here was just like a better fit for both the industries that we were in. Um, and then after visiting both the cities, it just kind of confirmed that it would be a better fit. Like I think that Sydney is probably one of the most beautiful cities I've ever visited. Um, but just, 
I feel like Melbourne has this like grit and diversity. Um, I mean, Sydney is really diverse too, but there's just this, um, yeah, this like grunginess. And it also feels like very European in a good way. Not that Europeans are bad. There's a bad way to European, but um, yeah, it's just so charming and accessible and livable. In Sydney, I found just so hard to get around when we were there, like the buses from like Bondi Beach down to, you know, the Opera House were just like, you know, terrible, like just so hard, packed with tourists couldn't even rent it was so hard to just the logistics of it um and also just more expensive as well so yeah that's why i'm more team melbourne and um how has it been getting settled into melbourne life with two kids yeah it's been good um yeah my daughter goes my oldest goes to uh they call it grade one, first grade. And um, she really likes it. She wears a uniform. They're a bit more like uh, proper here than what I'm used to, a little, a little formal. Um, but overall, I think it's, it's, it's good. Um, and my younger daughter goes to daycare and it's just like so great it's just like a public um daycare that she goes to we unfortunately don't get the benefits so how much does the daycare cost is that expensive for you so it's 135 dollars a day Ooh. um which i think is pretty expensive so we end up paying um I always, I, I don't know why I don't have this number just like burned in my brain because I've done this calculation on my phone so many times, but we pay between my daughter, my oldest daughter's aftercare and my younger daughter's daycare. We pay about 3,500 a month in childcare. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and did you say that, um, you were cut out for a second. Did you, were you saying that some people get that subsidized? Yeah. Yeah. It like killed me because like we can see it on the tuition forms. They're like, this is what it costs, but don't worry with your rebate. It's actually like 90% off. (laughs) So yeah, all the normal like Australian citizens, can get a rebate and essentially get like all of their childcare um, 90% off that cost. So they're really only paying, you know, like, I mean, maybe I'm exaggerating, maybe it's like 80%, but still it's not 50, you know, like it's that steep down. Um, So they're paying what we're paying at, you know, 3,500 a month, they're paying 350 to $700 a month. Okay. And do you know if you got permanent residency in a couple of years, would you be eligible for that uh, rebate? Yeah, we would, um, but we're not going to go for permanent residency. But yes, if we 
did go for permanent residency, we would get that benefit along with free healthcare. And when we were there, we didn't qualify for the Australian Medicare, which is like a universal benefit. We had to purchase a private insurance, which was basically the equivalent of Medicare. And I paid for myself, and I think it was about 80 Australian dollars a month. Do you know what it costs for a family to have similar coverage? Yeah, we like get the base healthcare, like emergency trauma, you know. So we're paying for all of our just like I just paid for a doctor's visit, eighty dollars um out of pocket. But we pay I think we pay like one twenty a month for our whole family. So Yeah. If you're from the US, that is um, that's a treat. Oh my yeah. I actually had a shoulder injury um that had like flared up when we were visiting here. And it caught, long story short, it cost me just as much to pay for it. It was $700 out of pocket here. as, And that's exactly what I paid in America with premium Blue Cross Blue Shield, you know, top, top insurance. That's what I had, still had to pay out of pocket in America. So, and also it like worked better here like the doctors were better here and the procedure actually worked here when it didn't in the state okay so we've talked about child care health care what else am i forgetting um what else stands out know. for you as being different there better or worse well so i mean i don't i i don't think it's it's interesting because I have a lot of like I've made a lot of good Australian friends here and although like before we moved here people were like so how long do you think you'll stay and we're like oh you know we're thinking one to two years and they're like yeah everyone says that and then they stay forever and um we're not those people we're not going to (laughs) stay we're not going to stay here forever and I have some Australian friends that are like, why? Why aren't you like going to try to stay here forever? And it's just like, it's kind of an awkward conversation, honestly, because it's like telling someone like, well, I don't like you. Like, <laughs> like you know, it just feels odd to say why you prefer your country over theirs. And I've always kind of considered myself like, like I, I'm not American patriot. I'm not like I don't like nationalism. I think countries are stupid. Like I think we should just get rid of countries and flags and national anthems and stuff. I think it's actually kind of brainwashing and harmful. Um, but um, yeah. So anyway, my friends are like, "Well, what do you like about Australia?" And you know, it's just. Sorry, I'm kind of going on a tangent, but when I first moved here, I was working out of this library and I heard um, someone scream and I immediately thought um, there's a gun, like there's, this is an attack, like someone's being attacked with a gun. Like the way that this, I, you know, the, the, the sound of the scream just, you know, through that chill 
Um, and, you know, then like three seconds later, it was obvious that it was just a bunch of like kids messing around and they were just on their way out of the library. And, you know, it just kind of made me realize that, like how um, terrible that is that as Americans, we're on this deep subconscious level on red alert that there could be a public shooting whenever and wherever. And when I think about like my kids in school and they're like, well, what do you like about Australia? I'm like, I like that I just don't ever even have to think about public shootings. I don't have to think about that <laughs> with my girls. Yeah. Because the last one that they had was like in the 90s, you know, like, so, and that's just like a basic human right that yeah. Americans don't have and that they don't prioritize. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Safety, healthcare, big yeah, deals. Right. Yeah. And like universal income too, like the the base minimum wage here is $17 an hour. And then they have to pay like double time on Sundays or something like that. Could you even imagine if America, like they've been fighting for like five, five days a week, $15 an hour for how long, you know, and like the needle has not moved on that. Like I think maybe California has done it, maybe New York City. I'm not sure if it's changed since I was there, but when I was there, if you worked, it didn't matter if you worked for four hours a week at McDonald's or if you worked 40 hours a week at a top earning law firm, the law is that you get paid, you get your wages. And then on top of that, you get 10% of whatever you make, put it in put into an investment account called superannuation and that oh. is for your retirement and i for the for me that was huge also that everyone is guaranteed yeah. this money so they can retire someday because not all jobs in the US especially low earning jobs people are that's I, you know that's another like one of those core benefits i think people should have is the right to age mm -hmm. And um, people in the U.S. cannot do that with the peace of mind that they're financially going to have some stability someday. I guess there's Social Security, but I think that's kind of debatable how how successful that is. Um, and then totally, yeah. and then you know, I think you have guaranteed sick days also in Australia. Is it like at least ten a year by law? Oh, I don't know about that, but. There is like guaranteed, I don't know, I don't know what they call it, if it's sick days or vacation days, but um, yeah, like they, like everyone gets like four weeks a year. That's just like what you get and people take it here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like in America, people get like two weeks of vacation and they still don't even take the two weeks. Like people are taking it. The thing that's kind of funny about like the talking about taking your holiday and sick days is that if you do take a sick day you have to go to the doctor and get a slip from the doctor and give it to your employer <laughs> saying that like you were sick which I feel like is very um patronizing yeah. like, <laughs> like 
I don't think we had to do that at my job, but I do think I had friends that had to do that. And maybe it was like after a couple days you had to do it, two or three days you had to. Yeah. It's just so funny to me, but you, it just kind of goes to show how much they love a good holiday and they like maybe will lie, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And, um, I think like even they, like for me, when I was in the U S I had a job where I think I got that much time off. But if you wanted to take more than a week at a time, it was like a big deal. Like you're climbing up the ladder, asking yeah. for permission to take more than a week. But in Australia, it was far more than norm that you would at least once a year go away for like two to three weeks and go somewhere far yeah. and go travel. Um, and not have any contact with anyone. Right. Like if you don't email about, you know, a pending client, like, that's 100% respected and not expected. (laughs) Yeah. So what is it that you think that you miss in the U S that will kind of pull you back there inevitably? Yeah. So I think that ultimately it's just home and it's just, uh, you know, my family's still all there. And I think that, Something that, you know, there's this really good podcast, actually, episode with, so the New York Times just barely came to Australia, and the equivalent of NPR here is called ABC, and the producer, one of the producers of the ABC interviewed the, you know, new base editor of the New York Times, and they were talking, and it was, like, really validating, because they were talking about, like, the cultural differences, and they had this quote that I had never heard that it was like Australians and Americans are 90% the same, but 10% different. But that 10% is really massive. And the New York times editor was like, I I think it's really massive. And it's also more than 10%. And I think that I've been really kind of surprised with that 10%. And I think in general in life, it's already kind of hard to navigate life socially, emotionally, relations, you know, all of that anyway. And so for me, when you add on a layer of like, is this just a social, like, is this just an Australian thing? Like, did they not get me because did this happen? Cause I'm American and that like th- to even have that be a question is just kind of exhausting. Um, whereas if I was in America and, you know, I did poorly in an interview or I had like a run in with another parent at school, or I felt like, you know, when I was giving a presentation, the audience didn't get me, (laughs) I wouldn't have to question my, my cultural difference. Um, so I think that that's a bigger thing for me than, than what I thought it would be. Yeah. Good insights. I can definitely, yeah, definitely. I can definitely relate to that living in Germany for sure. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can only imagine like being in a country where on top of it, they're speaking a different language than you. How has that been for you? Big. (laughs) 
that's another episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I think it will be interesting for you to go back to the U.S. and see how you feel once you're there. Yeah. 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 And I've had friends who, like, I have a really good um, neighbor friend who's just kind of become a soul sister of mine. And she has like a, she's, you know, has an Australian accent, but she was born in America, lived in America for 10 years, is, has a dual citizenship. Her parents are Aussie. And she said, you know, you never are like content. Like once you leave, you miss your home country. And then once you go back to your home country, you miss the country you came from. So she said she always feels torn. There's actually this really beautiful children's book about this man's like um, father's father who immigrated from Japan to California and kind of how he passed on this like transferring back and raising kids one place and moving back to another place and how he always um, as soon as he left one place he missed the other and so I'm kind of um, I don't I don't miss America but I I know I'm, I'm trying not to um, I'm trying to bask in all the goodness of Australia while we're here, as opposed to um, think about the things that I don't like about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just be present. Um, if you think of that book, pass it along to me and I'll put it in yeah. our show notes. What What I does will. your older daughter think about living in Australia versus going back to the US now that she's probably settled in there? Yeah, so she'll be seven in February. Um, so she moved here when she just turned five. So she still remembers Chicago and remembers friends there. Um, she doesn't have like a lot of opinions. She's she is, you know. I I try not to it's a hard balance of like not wanting her to feel unsettled here, but also not wanting to lie to her and tell her we're going to stay here forever. And so, you know, we're renting here and their kids are really funny about renting. They're like very confused. Like, so this isn't our home. Like this is someone else's home and we're here, you know, <laughs> However, no, exactly. I use that to uh, terrify my children sometimes. Like, if you crash into the wall and you make a mark, you're going to have to go talk to the owner <laughs> because this is not our house and we can't destroy other people's property. Oh, so good. And Australian, like, rental rights here are, like, so in the favor of the owner. Like, we wanted to hang up some pictures and we heard that, like, they're kind of weird about nails in the wall and so we just like emailed the property manager and he's like oh yeah you can use the existing holes that are in the wall and we're like oh that's so generous (laughs) thank you wow thank you so much and we've had like different problems with the house and he's like yeah essentially in so many words you can take care of it yourself (laughs) like oh my god you guys are terrible oh my goodness When, when we left our apartment in um 
Sydney, we went traveling for a week before we went back to the US and we were in Japan and we got this email from our property management. And I felt like we had left the place in great condition. And it was like, uh, we had really tall ceilings. It was this old building. And she was like, um, there's dust on the top of the ceiling fan blades. And it's like, I would never have been able to get up there ever. Like you would need an industrial cleaner to come in with a tall ladder to get up there. And just like bizarre stuff like that were they just searching for like um money to take out of your deposit yeah yeah because it was a huge deposit and it was like you're not going to get it back unless you hire someone to come over and do basically what we should do but we're not doing it yeah crazy yeah and our place is a dump too like it is not like there's like watered stained cupboards and the fact that they're just like we wanted to paint the walls and the walls are not professionally painted here you can tell and so we wanted to paint them and they're like you can only paint them if you hire a professional and we're like why would we have to hire a professional if you didn't you know it's just such a double standard yeah um but yeah Okay. Is there anything else you want to share with us about um, your adventure to Australia? Yes. I feel like in general, um, people should just go for it. And I think that like, I don't know, in our situation, we live pretty frugally too. Like we're okay with like PB&Js on trips and stuff. Um, but I think 30,000 is like, we're talking about like, I just want to know the numbers. Like I also read that in blogs before I left that like some people tucked away 30,000. I don't, I just had that in my mind. It's like, okay, I think we can stretch that. Um, I feel like people should just go for it because you, you just won't regret it. Right. Like I hear so many people talk about, like my mom said, you know, when she was telling some of her friends who were in their 60s and 70s, they are oh, I wish I would have done that with my family. And it's like, well, why didn't you? And also, you still could, like, you still could go do it, even if you are in your 60s. So, you know, it's just funny. If you want to, and this is kind of life advice in general, if you want to do anything bad enough, you're, you're going to do it. Um, so just know that there's so many people who do it. (laughs) Like we've met so many people on the ways who've just done it. And, um, yeah, it's not a crazy thing to do. It's adventurous, not crazy, adventurous. And I, I really appreciate talking to you because when we spoke with Julie Williams on my last episode, she spoke, we talked about, going through the process, like if you were in the U.S. and you were to apply on your own for a skilled migrant visa. And I have since found another podcaster who just did an episode. Her and her family moved from Singapore to the U.S. and they're from Philippines originally, but they did the, went through that process on their own of getting visas from abroad. And she went through the cost of how much that whole process cost and resettling themselves. Mm. And it was about, I feel like it was like 30,000 Australian dollars. And it's a complicated process because you're 
getting your skills assessed, you're getting your language assessed, you're kind of at the mercy of the immigration system there in Australia. And what's interesting is for like a similar amount of money, you guys did it a different way and you were able to go like traveling while you sort of like figured out your next steps. You would kind of got to live like you were on a holiday or vacation until you got the job in place. So yeah, I had to pick away. Yeah, (laughs) I I definitely wouldn't pay to come here. Um, I wouldn't pay $30,000 and like to get a permanent residency, like our, um, friends just got permanent residency and I think it costs them like $25,000 each. (laughs) So much money. The hard thing is you walk away from that and you don't get a guaranteed time back. Like we were up for permanent residency when we left, um, And we didn't do it because I didn't think I wanted to come back. And I've regretted it ever since because Uh, immigration laws have gotten so much stricter since we left and they did mm -hmm. away with like business sponsored visas. Like the, we were on a four five seven, they got rid of that completely. And we've had such a hard time going back now Mm -hmm. and I've regretted it. Bummer. Yeah. But it'll work out eventually. So Say you go back to the U.S. and you get settled for a while. Do you think you've got more? It, it, does your family have more adventures in the future? Yeah, I mean, I think that anything. You know, it's just kind of funny because we've been like, you know, this is like the one time we'll do this. Kind of before we left, like we're never going to have another chance to do this again. And now being here, we're like, we're not. Like, or we go back to the States and then do it again. Like, why would it only have to be one time? Um, so totally open to that. But um, based on our experience here, I think it's really made me uh, feel, uh, oh God, just more American than what I am proud to to say out loud. Thank you so much for our talk today. Yeah, totally. It was fun. Um, thanks, thanks for having me on. Hopefully uh, I didn't like scare people away from Australia. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Okay, what do you think? Did Nikki scare you away from the dream of living in Australia? I know she didn't scare me. If you want to get in contact with Nikki, I have got a link to her website in my show notes, as well as that podcast that we mentioned and uh, the book that Nikki mentioned. My grandfather's journey is also in a link in the show notes. And thank you for hanging out with me today. Until next time, keep dreaming those big dreams and scheming bold moves.